Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am really excited to bring you today's guest. Lindsay Marilyn Orsini has been a friend of mine for a few years now. She is a brilliant composer. She is a beautiful pianist and just a wonderful, wonderful soul. And I'm really excited to share with you guys her new album entitled Spring, which is the follow-up to her last album, Winter. And she's got a new project uh, that by the time you're listening to this will be out already as well on Bandcamp. So we'll talk to her about all of those things and more. She also does sound design and scoring for video games, which is a very fun and exciting field. I'd really love to do more of those. I've only done one so far because I was concentrating so much on film and some of my own projects that I really never dug into it. But uh, that would be definitely something fun to do again. So we're going to talk to her, and I want to give a big shout out to Audionamics. They are the reason that this podcast is sounding so good these days. Uh, It is a crazy, windy night out right now while I'm recording this, and uh, I'm assuming that uh, all of that will be filtered out by by, uh, Audionamics' IDC, or Instant Dialogue Cleaner software. Uh, literally, I would spend hours visually taking out line after line of distortion and noise and uh, different things. And it took me forever to get the podcast to sound as good as I could. Uh, and even then, you know, I listen back to some of those older episodes and I'm like, God, this just bothers me so much. So hopefully at some point I'll be able to go back and clean up those episodes a bit. But uh, since uh, shortly after the beginning of the year, I think is when I started using it. And then I met with them at the NAM show. Absolutely wonderful, lovely people, everyone I've worked with. Um, literally takes me seconds now to do what, uh, what used to take hours for me to sit here and do to get the podcast to, uh, to sound good. And it sounds better now in seconds than it did in hours before. Uh, so their software is amazing. They also do some stuff where you can split out different tracks. You can split the vocals out and the guitars and drums from songs. Uh, I haven't worked with that software yet. I, it's not something I would have a reason to immediately, uh, but down the road, who knows? Uh, and, uh, and they're just wonderful people. They were nice enough to actually put one of my quotes about their software up on their website at audionamics.com for the IDC program, as well as they featured this podcast on part of their demonstration for how to use IDC, which I thought was very, very sweet. Uh, wonderful people look forward to hopefully doing more with them down the road. And, uh, thank you guys for helping me make my podcast sound tons, tons better than it used to. Uh, if you're listening to this post the day I find the time to go back and clean up the old episodes, uh, then it won't mean as much to you. But for those of you who have been here since the beginning, you probably know what I'm talking about. And uh, thank you, Audionamics. Not a whole lot going on right now. Um, I've been busy doing some orchestrations for a friend of mine uh, who's submitting songs to artists. And I've just been working on uh, the Addicted album as well as uh, doing some uh, work with one of my future guest products that I'll be talking with in a couple weeks. And uh, very excited to bring him on the program as well. Uh, lots of cool things in, in, in that, right. But mostly just picking away at uh, different projects that I've had on my plate for a while, hoping to close some of those off, uh, get back to the novel soon and, uh, just, just keep going. But there's just a, a, you know, so many, uh, different projects and I can only work on one at a time. Uh, it's nice to be able to have different ones to flip back and forth to, but, uh, it would 
it's it's also nice when you can just finish one and everything seems like I'm kind of just pecking away at it and not putting a lot of stuff out right now. So there will be more stuff coming out soon. In the meantime, there's plenty out there already between the Vegas books and my uh, getting into film composition book, as well as uh, the symphony that I put out a month or so ago. And remember to like the Haskin Cast podcast page on Facebook. I'm doing a monthly drawing where you can win a flash drive with all five mental sauna albums, as well as the beautiful artwork that Kelly Kincart has done uh, with some wonderful people and some wonderful images. Uh, really cool. So uh, remember to do that. The links, of course, will be in the show notes. And uh, thank you for those that have so far. It's nice to see that community grow. Uh, really, it's just nice to know that this podcast has reached people, that people enjoy it, uh, get some feedback here from time to time on it. And uh, it's really nice to hear from you guys. So please feel free to write in with thoughts, feedback, anything you like. Um, I'm happy to talk to anyone at uh, scott at scotthaskin.com. You can also reach me through any of the other, you know, Facebook, Podbean, uh, all those other places as well. Uh, we made it onto Google Play, which is pretty exciting. Happy about that. So uh, let's, without further ado, bring on our wonderful guest, Lindsay, and uh, talk to her about her new projects. All right, everybody, let's welcome Lindsay to the show. Lindsay, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm sorry that I sound a little rusty. Uh, It's a little early in the morning for me and the coffee hasn't quite kicked in yet, but I'm very happy (laughs) to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Honestly, it's it's always nice to be talking to you, especially in front of a bunch of people. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, I I've, I've always enjoyed your company, and you're one of those people that you know I I really appreciate as a person and also as an artist because I think that you're very creative, very talented, and I love the way that you perform your music. Well, I appreciate that. That's very nice. Um, I mean, I try my best. Uh, especially on the being a nice person, you know? <laughs> well, and you are. Uh, when, when I did my Piano Romance album, which uh, originally was nine tracks, and when I reissued it, I, I added another track, I tried to capture some of that gentle playing, that really emotional feeling that you seem to just naturally have in you. Is that something that you, when you sit down to, to work on these albums that you're doing in the, in the uh, season series and talking about Spring, your newest one, uh, is that something that you really focus on, or is that just what comes out naturally? Honestly, with spring, especially, um, like just talking about the um, specific. Let me see. Give me one second. I'm going to open up the album. Actually, it's wonderful. I listen to it every morning, and it's just it's a great way to start my day. I absolutely love it. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, with spring, like all of them are obviously named after specific flowers which each it's really deep and intricate for no reason honestly (laughs) but i don't know why i did it like this i just i don't know um but i mean snowdrop for example the first track on the album is basically the prelude or not prelude it's uh i guess yeah it's like the it's the introduction track i should say and that is the first flower that typically um comes up through the snow and that's what marks spring basically and i mean there's a lot of other random little things that i uh just put together in all of the flowers and all their 
backstory. It's ridiculous. I don't know why I did it like that. But I just like doing that, like, kind of, there's a backstory to each song kind of thing, but each song is after a specific flower. Right. And and I do feel that that it was a progression through spring. Listening to the album from beginning to end, it really feels like a, a natural progression through the season. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to get towards. Um, I mean, I obviously, I don't know if this is obvious or not, but I personally love spring. Spring is my favorite, all-time favorite um, season. I mean, spring and fall pretty much are my two favorite seasons. Spring more so because I love flowers, I love gardening and everything like that. But I mean, like for all the songs that are very emotional, I would say, um, those, it's so funny because it it's so typical that this happens where like the, the songs that are longer and more emotional and you like, people tend to like those more are the ones that take me about five minutes. Like I literally just sit down and I record it in one go. And then the ones that are like really complicated, like Amaryllis, for example, is a more of a, I don't want to say epic, but it's more of like a piece for, like, it's actually named, Amaryllis is named after um, the Studio Ghibli color artist who passed away uh, a couple of years ago, I think, uh, it's like 2016 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was 2016. Her name is Michio Yusuda. Yasuda. And in Japanese, uh, that basically translates to like uh, beauty and like longevity kind of thing. Mm. And uh, I picked, like, obviously everyone knows that I am obsessed with Studio Ghibli. <laughs> kind of like, I love specifically like Joe Hisaishi is one of my um, biggest as like uh not aspirations but inspirations yeah mm-hmm. but amaryllis for example is one of the songs on the album that's very reminiscent of other studio ghibli songs like all of it is very heavily inspired mm-hmm. uh it's heavily inspired by that and the legend of zelda which are very very kind of weird things to put together <laughs> but uh it works i think yeah. um amaryllis is named after uh michio yasuda Sometimes those combinations that you don't think are going to, like you would never consciously put them together, but they just happen organically, uh, they turn out to yield some really amazing results. And this song is certainly a perfect example of that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. That one, again, like I said, that one took the longest of the entire album. And I have people coming up to me, like saying how much they enjoyed, um, like, uh, I don't remember, uh, like Irises. For example, it's the number, the fourth track on the album. Right. <laughs> like I have people coming up to me saying how much like Iris is one of their favorite songs. And I put Iris in the middle because I what, like I like the song because, you know, you always have to like what you put onto an album. Sure. But it wasn't my favorite. It was probably my least favorite song on the entire album. <laughs> really? That's why I put it. In, yeah, I didn't like it much at all. But I put it in the middle. So it was like kind of like an intermission. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think it's a beautiful song, and and it's interesting. You said that uh, the songs that you just laid down and uh, and recorded one time, that they're the ones that are getting so much attention. Do you think that there is sometimes just an attraction from a listener to something that came out naturally and organically without editing? It was just feeling released. Yeah, absolutely. Like on my last album, Winter, um, that. I every single song except for Away and Untitled. I named Untitled specifically because it's, um, I don't know, just 
because I did. I thought it fit the song, I guess. Mm. <laughs> but the first track on the album is just piano. Uh, it's Away, which is like, I think, kind of a good opening track to it. And it's kind of like the song of the entire album. And then um, that Away is, is for me, was like the first real song that I've actually put together. And I don't want to say the first real song, because I have made some other songs like seven or eight years ago that I liked, but I never really put it together into an album because I never thought, oh, you know, I can't really, um, I don't really, no one wants to listen to all piano music on an album, but right, I was, yeah. obviously there's so many people that do love listening to piano music. I mean, I'm one of them. I love sure, yeah. listening to everything. So, I mean, this whole album uh, was, oh, right. Okay. So with talking about winter, really quick away and untitled the first and the last track of the album um both are very heavily just piano and then the end of uh untitled is very string heavy right. um not honestly string heavy it it's just the cello comes in and um i was actually using adagio the cello for that and i really love adagio strings specifically oh well, actually i love <laughs> i have a very love hate relationship with adagio um mainly because adagio is a great string bundle it really is and right now it's actually half the price i bought it for but that's always so painful <laughs> it really is <laughs> because it was like 1600 dollars before mm-hmm. and now i think it's like at like 399 or something like that wow that's painful i yeah it was it was <laughs> it was rough but I mean, again, that was like three years ago that I bought it. So, I mean, it makes sense. Sure. But yeah, it it was Adagio. It was, um, I bought that during this album and I had to go back and put in a bunch of the string samples. So I was still like, you know, when you get a uh, sound library and then you kind of like mess around with it and you're excited to play with it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Like a kid on Christmas kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. um. I started messing around with it on the other songs because I wanted to replace all the strings. And then I started just um, just messing around with it on different tracks with everything else muted because I just wanted to mess around with it. And that's how Untitled came by because I made the uh, the string part first with the cello. And then later on, a viola comes in and kind of harmonizes with the cello. But uh, the, And then I actually put the piano underneath it last which is for me that's completely backwards right I, I always do the piano first and then i like kind of build off of the bass and go like that but it was very that song came out i i like that song um but i mean it definitely came out different than what i expected it to because before the piano obviously it sounds completely different right because the piano isn't the predominant sound in the mix but I think that the way that the viola came in, it really blended beautifully with the cello. And I actually really prefer the piano being in the background because the rest of the album is so piano dominated that it's nice to have one where it just kind of sits back and moves things along. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Have you tried playing the albums uh, continuously, like going through winter and then playing it into spring? Um, No, I actually, I haven't done that. My or Hunter, my boyfriend, he he listens to it when he's at work because he works, he does finance stuff. So he needs to calm down while he's doing right, that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
So he'll have um both of the albums on, and he'll just kind of have it go in shuffle mode. He doesn't really listen. To, he, he typically does listen to them as like concept records, mm-hmm. but uh, he likes to just shuffle them because then he can tell which is what from where, and he likes to just have them bounce around. And he was uh, telling me the other day that he wants me to make them longer because mm. a lot of them aren't really that long, realistically. Right. Yeah. They're, I don't, with my music, I don't really like forcing it, I want to say. Um, like when I feel like the song is going to end, I'm going to end it, whether it's a, a minute and 15 seconds or, you know, three and a half minutes, you know? Right. Like, And I mean, there's a song I wrote that's on YouTube. It's called The, uh, the Last night i think let me yeah no the first night i was <laughs> yeah it's close enough <laughs> like, that song um the original thing i had for that song for some reason it was when i still was using logic pro and i was on my mac and um i mean this mac was from from 2000 like maybe 2013 or 2012 but i mean with me using all the contact samples in the mac just basically destroyed the Mac almost not destroyed it, but it just did not want, I needed to get like an SSD and I need to, you know, get a better processor, et cetera. Like there's a bunch of stuff that I needed to do to make it work better. Cause I always did the system overdrive or, um, not drive, but you know what I'm t- trying to say. Sure. Yeah. And I had a song that was actually seven like minutes and 58 seconds or something. Like that was the longest song I've ever written <laughs> and it was good. And it came out, um really nice but when i for some reason whenever i decided or when i was bouncing it or doing the mix sound and everything it kept um like i could hear it in the end mix that it would just like the strings would kind of go up and down like as if the automation was going up and down with the volume Mm -hmm. and i was but and then when I went back and listened to it, it wouldn't do that. So something was wrong. So I ended up having to update the computer, which well, I had to update Logic, and then to do that, I had to update my computer, and then that wiped my entire hard drive when I did that. No. Oh, I I lost everything. I I lost that song. Oh um, no. Oh my yeah, it was it was like a traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was horrible. I've been to the it. Time, yeah. I. Oh, it was terrible. I mean, I I remember me telling you about it, and mm-hmm. you were you were saying how you've been through that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at the time, I was working on burning bridges, and it was um, I don't know. We just needed to get some stuff because we were gonna pitch it to the investors and everything like that. And so I needed to have the songs, and of course, the um, just everything that happened and that was like a week before i needed to have everything done so i had to go in and redo almost everything that i just did for that game Mm -hmm. just to have it because i didn't have anything i didn't remember like i had them all saved on drive so i remember what they sound like but i mean they all needed to be fixed and edited you know they were just mixes they weren't masters or anything like that so so i i had to go and redo every song by ear just to figure out like i remembered basically what they were but there are always like little things in the backgrounds you don't remember that you put in sure. until you look and i mean that was that was a very trying time <laughs> well and and half of the battle is just trying to figure out what which sounder which articulation you use to get that sound 
Yeah, exactly. It was it was awful. Honestly, it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I remember you going through that, and and it reminded me of the very first forty eight hour film challenge I ever did. And on the the end of Saturday evening, I had all the music written, and uh, my hard drive failed on my computer, and I had yeah. to reinitialize it and start from scratch. And back then, it only took me, I think, four hours to reinstall the system because I didn't have a very great setup just yet. And now it takes me like five days to reinstall everything that I have. Uh, but I, I did the same thing. I had fortunately bounced out um, MP3s that I could go back and listen to. But now everything I do, as soon as I do it, I copy it to a second drive so that if anything happens, and I'm just because of those experiences, I'm so paranoid about it that immediately I save something and then I copy that to another drive so that if anything happens to my main drive, I've still got everything I did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just, the first thing I did was buy a terabyte external hard drive. Right, yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. And then, I mean, after that, the computer just didn't really want to, the Mac didn't want to do anything with uh, Logic anymore. It wouldn't even play like a simple piano track that, you know, it it was bad. So then I had to buy a new computer and I ended up just building my own. Uh, Hunter yeah. helped me, Hunter helped me build it because he's built his own and like a couple of friends of his, but, um, so it was, it was fun to build it. That's for sure. And he made it. So it was specifically like for music production. So I have like, I think, um, just too much Ram. I don't need that much Ram. I think I have like 16 gigabytes Ram. Mm-hmm which is perfect. It's not too much, but it's like a good amount for everything to work. But I mean, with everything, I and then the whole thing, it started happening again on this computer. And I thought it was just user error. Like, I didn't understand. I'm not like illiterate with computers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it started black screening and then going to like this Windows needs to restart. It ran into a problem. Something about like power state driver failure. Mm. And I was just like, what is like, do I have a faulty power or something like that? Mm. And, and then ended up needing to reinstall Windows because something happened with Windows. Coincidentally, this happened right after Windows uh, forced an update. Uh, so Yeah. Oh my god, I was tra- like not traumatized, but I was just so worried that I have to do that again. But then I remembered, I was like, oh wait, I have everything saved to an external backup. <laughs> but but it is traumatizing because this is what we do, and we we depend so heavily on these tools to be able to do it. Uh, that when you're going through this, and especially if you have a project you're working on, like this game, and you mm-hmm. have a deadline, and people are depending on you to to complete your part on time, it is very traumatizing. Yeah, it really is. And I wish I could, you know, tell people my experiences with it more because I thought I honestly like three hours afterwards, after the for three hours after the entire um, computer the first time I was thinking like, oh, OK, I can't do this anymore. Kind of yeah. Thing. It was yeah. like my life ruined. Like I was in such like, what was me? Like ridiculous. It was horrible. Because everything I had just done, like everything I had done in the past, everything was on that computer. And I never, ever once thought to just put it on a backup because I thought, no, computer will never fail. me. kind of ridiculous. Right. Well, I've gotten so anal about it now that I I have my my main drive that I do music on. Then I have an internal backup drive. I have an external backup drive. And then I have a fourth drive that I keep at a safety deposit box uh, outside my location. So that if anything happens here, like a fire... 
I haven't lost it. I, that's how ridiculous I've gotten. And it's all because of those experiences. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I have uh, the external hard drive is put in a little box that's mm. fireproof. Yeah. And it's like locked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of those safety boxes you put, you know, your social security cards in and everything. Right. Yeah. I have uh, just a hard drive of all my stuff in there. <laughs> no, that's smart. Yeah. Now, when you were uh, when you were working on Spring, obviously, you know, you said that every song is relating to a specific flower. But when I'm looking at the titles of Winter, uh, did you have a strategy going into that one as well? Winter was kind of if it was it wasn't the same. I don't want to say as uh, as I did with Spring. Spring was more of a themed album. Winter is more of just songs I wrote in winter. Um now, like, all of them are kind of just named to be named, I want to say. Like, there's one that um, is called Precarious Virulence. Like, that, I had another song that was part of that song, um, but I never posted it on here. And I don't remember why. I think it's because the whole thing kept happening where it would, uh, like, skip through the song. So it only happens with, a, like, a certain amount of um, tracks. Right. The song. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure if I go back and listen really closely, there are probably some parts where it's like the strings will dip or something like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, with this, I just kind of put together all the songs that I wrote during winter. It's nothing. It's not like really put on um, specifically like symbolizing anything. I mean, we did uh, my old boss. She uh, the one I actually did burning bridges with. She did. She was an artist, and she did a lot of speed painting. And so, whenever I would make a song, I would send the song to her, and I'd say, "Okay, this one's called uh, Midnight Chatter, or or not Midnight Chatter. Like, let's say City Rain, for example. I would send that to her, and then she would do a speed paint on it, and that's what we have on my YouTube channel. And I love those. I I think they're amazing. Yeah, I do. I love the speed paints, but I mean, now they're kind of they're more busy. So we can't really do the speed paints as much anymore. And But um, I do actually want to say that I am working on a new game, but I can't say much about it. But I mean, I can kind of explain a little bit. Okay. I don't want to see. I, <laughs> I like I hate bringing this up, but I'm really excited about it. It's a, it's a fine line in our business because especially if you have to sign an NDA or uh, which for those who aren't familiar, that's a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, very often we are presented with a project, but they don't want that information released to the public. So we have to say, if we're going to tell you about it, you have to agree not to tell anybody else or we'll sue the hell out of you. Uh, I've signed NDAs that uh, could cost me millions if I ever talked about what I know. Uh, so it's pretty common in the business. And even if you don't sign an NDA, there's there's still that, uh, yeah, I respect what you're doing and I want you to respect me and I want to stay in good graces with everybody. So yes, I'm not going to talk about your project. But there are certain things from time to time that you can say, like, I'm working on a new video game I'm really excited about. I just can't tell you what it is. Yeah, I mean, I can explain a little bit. I'm pretty much helping write the story. Uh, It's with my friend. His name is Ulrich. He's from Norway. And he wanted to, he posted on this group. And then I was just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's really good. It's just, you need a music sound for it. The most typical thing that I feel like every single musician does on here and Facebook specifically is like find the groups and then, you know, say, hey, do you need music sound? And then someone saying, no, we don't, or just ignoring you kind of thing. So that's that's right. basically my life. 
Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but Ulrich, he responded because I, uh, we, we all know how uh, big of a game Dark Souls is for me. Um, it's very, I love Dark Souls. I love the franchise. I love the mu- music by Yuka Kitamura. She's an amazing musician. Um, I, a lot of my songs also are dark. I have a very opposite side to spring, let's say. Uh, spring's very like light and happy mm-hmm. most of the time. And then you go to my other stuff, like on um, my website, I have a song that I did with my friend Alex Rowe. And it's a, see, we call it remixes, but it's not really a remix because we don't use anything from the actual song. Mm-hmm. It's just really heavily inspired, and we just call them remixes, so you know, copyright and everything like that. So no one, like, we don't want to deal with it. Right. When when I hear the word remix, the first thing that comes into my mind is putting like you know, in the air tonight by Phil Collins to a techno beat. Exactly. Yeah. It's more of a reorchestration. There um, you go. Yeah, and so my friend Alex and I did this with a song from Dark Souls Three. It's uh, just one of the bosses in the game is Yorm the Giant. And um, we reorchestrated that theme into, well, I wanted to do a waltz because I love waltzes. And you were saying earlier, it reminded me about the Hans Zimmer doing um, a waltz for that movie. For Gladiator, yeah. Yeah, Gladiator. And um, that reminded me of this because uh, everyone was like, oh, why are you doing a waltz? Like, that's not really an epic, you know, you're fighting a giant. Like, that doesn't make sense. But there's a lot of backstory to it. I'm not going to go really into the backstory because it's, you know, it's just a long story. Well, but if you think about it in, in, in actual musical terms, uh, battles are in, in the way that they're filmed. A lot of times they are like dance, a dance. And yeah, that's your point. it's, it's just not as pretty as watching, say somebody ballroom dance or do the, you know, something like that. But the battle sequences are typically formed very specifically and choreographed. And I think it kind of makes sense. I, I hadn't thought about it when I saw Gladiator. And even after I found out that those were based on waltzes, it didn't really dawn on me until more recently that that actually does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, if you think about it, it definitely does. Um, but yeah, we did the waltz for that. And I ended up sending that to the guy from Norway. And I was like, I, your game's really like reminiscent of Dark Souls. This is me, my music from with a friend that is very uh, similar to Dark Souls. I was like, I'd love to do music for your game, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he almost, like, within a day, and I don't know, I think they're six hours ahead, Norway, for me, specifically. So, I mean, within, like, the same day, I, I don't know if it was, like, one or two in the morning there, but they, he responded saying how much he loved the music. He's like, it's so great. It's pretty perfect for the game. And nice. Would you like to do it? And I, for me, that was, like, Oh my God, someone actually responded. <laughs> right. If you're just getting somebody to respond is a big deal. Even if they're telling you no, it's like, I'm happy somebody actually cared that I wrote. Right. Exactly. Like, it's, there's so many people nowadays that don't even give the time of day for some reason that just like, yeah, I don't, care. like, if you have a composer, it was like, I'm sorry, I didn't, like, and let's say if they're doing the own, their own music for the game, um, I just, I don't know, you could say, like, oh no, we already have a composer. That's fine. You know, I'll be like, oh, okay, sorry, I didn't know. Right. But then there's always some other people who are just like seen with a check mark, you know? <laughs> like, they just you. Yeah, I almost wish that they would just like when they post it, they would list all the positions and just check mark what they don't need so that you wouldn't waste your time and their time reaching out. But sometimes they might say, 
you know, I really like your stuff. I've already got somebody for this project, but my, I'll consider you for my next project. So sometimes even if they don't need somebody, making that contact can, can lead to some other work down the road. Exactly. I mean, a lot of the people who have responded to me, I also have, um, like, I still talk, like, not daily, but I mean, I still talk to them and say, hey, how's the gate, how's the game going, etc. Right. And some of them have asked me to do other music for um, games that are coming up after their own games. So I always kind of, I always, you know, you always want to you know, keep in contact with people like that, because if, let's say if they forget and they say, oh, I need music, uh, who is that person? Da, 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 da. Like, I forget the name kind of thing, you know? Well, and, and building those relationships is the key to any kind of success in, in this business and really any business. But uh, also the composer can drop out. Something might happen to them where they might not be able to finish that project. And those those game creators, directors, anybody that, that would hire you needs somebody as a backup just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You know, and I've, I've had that too, where, where the uh, composer could not write certain pieces that they wanted for the film and they'll bring in you know, somebody else to do additional music. Mm -hmm. So you never know. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. Keeping up on those relationships is, is key. Absolutely. I agree. And the other thing people don't consider a lot too, is uh, even though they may not need you, they might have a friend that is just putting a project together and looking for somebody. Yeah, exactly. I've had a lot of instances where that happens as well. Yeah. So is is this new game, can you give us like the, the setting of it? Is it space? Is it earth? Is it fantasy? Oh, it's it's fantasy. It's very fan- fantasy. <laughs> um, it's kind of, uh, like I said before, it's very Dark Souls reminiscent. So it's an, very heavily inspired by Dark Souls, I should say. So that's that's fun because that kind of gives you the canvas that you really enjoy working on. Oh, absolutely. I love fantasy games. I love like role playing games, stuff like that. Like anything that um, it's kind of like medieval is my, like a playground for me because I can just do so much stuff with it. But this game, for instance, this game is uh, I'm trying to like tiptoe around it a little bit so I don't give it all away. But uh, right. Yeah. So you're basically an old a soldier. You're in we're doing it in Norway, but it's old Norway, like the like old north times where there's the, still the north gods and like kind of like an old mythology type thing and um the it's a, a fake land but it's kind of reminiscent of norway um you there's a guy in a little village where he is an old soldier but it's also like he or she because you can pick your character in the beginning there's a lot of custom, uh, character customization uh, not yet imp- like a little bit implemented but um it's not finished yet the whole game's still in very early development sure but, um it honestly like it already looks so good too it really like it already has outdone himself with this i need to say that because the game is just so well put together for this is his i think he said this is his first game i don't want to say that in case i'm wrong and he gets upset <laughs> but i'm pretty sure that he, he said that this was his first game he's still i think going to school or yeah he's in school doing it and i mean this is probably one of the best games that i've seen so far able or done their first time because mm-hmm. he's actually 
he's putting his like actual effort into it where I feel like a lot of people nowadays just want to like have it done as quickly as possible where I've worked with some people who have done that and the game doesn't come out as good as I could be obviously with this guy he's like taking his time on like tweaking all the smallest things and it's just it's really it's a nice it's refreshing to see that someone actually cares about what they're doing it is. And, and it's interesting that especially people in the indie world, if they're not hired by somebody to create something that has a specific release date that works around a marketing plan, uh, it's always interesting to see people rushing to get things out. I get excited about releasing things and for people to, to hear them or experience whatever I'm creating. But at the same point, I want it to be the best it can be. So if I announce a release date, I usually don't announce the release date until I'm mixing it and I've heard it enough to know that the project is is right and I'm just putting the finishing touches on it. But if I had if if I issue a release date and I decide that it's not really ready, who am I hurting by pushing that date? Yeah, I agree. I'm only hurting people by putting out a substandard product. And I think that's a youth, uh, youth thing too, because when I first started out, I was, as soon as I thought something was done, I would release it. And when I've gone back and listened to some of that stuff, I hear audio dropping out in the mix. And I'm like, how the hell did I miss that? How did, you know, be, but you're not paying attention enough. You're just hurrying to get it done and you just assume everything's okay. And that just doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a game that I worked on uh, a little bit ago was i'm not gonna say what game because that's i don't want to call anyone out obviously right but i mean um definitely could have been better uh it was very rushed especially at the end it was just the game had potential but then was almost completely ruined because of just people not wanting to do it anymore right which i mean i I get that you know you've been working on this game you don't want to work on this game you want to work on something better but for an indie developer you need to finish what you started you can't just keep jumping around to games i did that i do that with music all the time but i try not to because like i realize if i keep jumping around like i'm making a song and then i find a different melody that i want to go with and i'm just like oh okay i want to do this instead of that one i won't finish that other song and i'll go to the other one but i mean i i always force myself to go back and finish that other song or else I'll just never finish it in which I want to, you know, like it's one of the things where it's like more of a self thing where you need to, you need to finish it or else you're never going to finish anything kind of thing. That's very true. And my hard drive has a nice growing folder of unfinished music because of that very reason. I'm working on something. I come up with an idea I like better. So I go, okay, I'm just going to put this in the box and I'm going to start with this new thing and just go with it. And maybe one day if I'm ever inspired, I'll go back and finish that. But there's probably 150 pieces of, of music like that. But, you know, you'd mentioned that Hunter was was hoping that you would make some of your your songs longer, especially in the in, in the season series. But when a song is done, it's done. And unless you're an artist, a lot of times you don't get that. But instead of making songs longer than you feel they should be, you could always just write more music. Exactly. I mean, with, see, with Spring, it was, uh, I don't want to say difficult because before spring i was just working on burning bridges and then i was kind of going through a lot of medical things going on they i had a lot of medical stuff going on right uh the last two years now basically it's hopefully kind of clearing up now but um i hope so yeah i know but it's 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 been a long road and i really haven't been able to 
make music for myself and that's what spring is really it's kind of me just composing kind of getting my emotions out and kind of getting exciting getting excited for spring and um so I wrote it all but when I write it and I hear that it's starting to end I'm not gonna like force it to continue going because then I feel like it can either get kind of repetitive or you know like it's just I don't want to I don't want people to get bored with it. I want people to listen to it and be like, oh, that was a really nice song. Let me listen to it again kind of thing. Right, exactly. Because you can always hit repeat. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, Hunter, when he said that, he mainly meant he wanted to listen to more because it's a lot of my songs aren't that long. And the albums put together are like maybe an hour. And it goes by fast. It really does. I mean, the first time I heard it, it felt like maybe 20 minutes. And I'm I like, think it, it is around 20 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's over, you know, <laughs> I've got eight yeah. songs and it's over. And so immediately I just played it again, but it's, it's one thing when you're doing solo music that, uh, that you have that flexibility with when you're doing that for a game, if, if you're writing something for like a, uh, a cut scene, or if you're working on a film, you have to find a way to stretch that music to make it fit the timing of that sequence. And it can get very tricky because if you feel like that's all that piece of music needs to be, but you have another 30 seconds of, of time you have to fill, that can be really challenging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a thing I ran into when I was doing um, I was doing this demo for a company. I don't want to say the company name. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they wanted me to do a demo because they do a lot of music or do not music. They do a lot of uh, films for uh, Amazon and like they do specifically horror films. Horror is a genre that I absolutely adore and I love. And I mean, it's kind of like a hidden genre that I'm really good at that. No one I never have put anything out with. But I so I did this whole thing for him and he loved it. He's like, we'll be contacting you. Da, da, da. And he contacted me and he wanted me to do the song that was like exactly this ex- exact amount of time. And it was so, so difficult. <laughs> it was like three minutes and I don't know. It was like, like, like 13 seconds and 22 milliseconds, like something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it needed to be exactly that long. So my plan was to just kind of like, um, do a, obviously do a piano and strings, etc., and then have it like reverberate until, that time because that's like you can end it at this time but then kind of have it reverb and then I said to him he's like oh no that's not what we're looking for I'm just like oh well, what do you like what do you mean by end it at this time and he was just like oh it needs to be up until that point so he wanted me to end it with like a big bang kind of thing oh at that point and I was like how how do people do that <laughs> how does that how do people like especially with timestamps or time code because mm-hmm. like how are you supposed to have a song that you write in beats and measures type thing to you know keep the tempo and then all of a sudden you have to end it like abruptly at a specific I, that's just it's it baffles me when people are able to do that so well because i i can't even th- think about doing it that well <laughs> well it, yeah and and just to just do it off of time code is really tough if he would have sent you the scene 
and said, here's yeah. what you're writing to. For one, you can you can nail the emotion of the scene. You can tap into the speed of the action of whatever's going on or the heartbeat of the person or, or you know, whatever visual and audio cues that you have. Um, but you can also encompass the atmosphere. So if they're if they're outside and it's nighttime and they're running through the forest, uh, you might score it one way versus if it's just in the daytime and they're running through a meadow, you might come up with something completely different. So in, in when you're scoring for film, it, it's almost vital to have those visuals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's I mean, that's why I was confused when he sent me it and he's like, you didn't send me the visuals or anything like that. And I was like, oh, maybe he can't send them because I didn't sign the NDA or something like that, you know? Right. Because I was yeah. doing the demo for it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was kind of silly to judge a person's work off of something that's not that they haven't even seen what the scene is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a very poor uh, setup, I think, because, you know, I've, I've had things like that where like, well, submit a piece of music that sounds like this or that does that. I'm like, but this, this is for a film. So the timing is important. The, you know, everything is going to matter. And if I'm doing a piece, that's an additional piece to the score and I haven't heard the score, I don't know what instrumentation to use. I don't know how to mix it. Uh, because I don't know what's going to be in continuity with the rest of the music. Mm -hmm. I mean, the he did send me a reference, and it was uh, Insidious's open theme, one oh, okay. opening. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's not really melodic. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of strings and it has a lot of tremolo, but I mean, it's just more kind of like noise than it is like music, which is, I mean, it still it works perfectly for the movie. Right. But so again, that's like a thing that I'm not like whole like completely used to is doing a lot of the atmospheric things i mean burning bridges was the first time i really did a a real atmospheric soundtrack but um i mean everything else was just all melodic that i've done so that was it was fun i mean it came out well he liked it too and then then he that's when he sent me the do this make a song in three minutes and have it end here and i was like oh Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's so vague. I mean, you really have to have a, a good solid dialogue with the director to understand what it is that they want in, in detail. And it's even if they send you a reference track, okay, but what about this reference track is it that you want me to hear? Is it the tempo? Is it the atmosphere? Is it the panning? Is it the instrumentation? Um, is it a scream that's in the background that I can barely hear? Um, you really have to have that dialogue to be able to give them what they want. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you're when you're working on a game, obviously, if you're doing a cut sequence, you potentially have a video to to score to. But when you're doing the background music, are you writing a short piece and looping it, or how do you do that? Uh, well, that's a it depends on the game. Um, a lot of people, especially the indie developers, prefer loop like something that's easily looped. Um, typically, what I'll do is make a whole song and have it just not loop and have it end the way it's supposed to end. And then um, I'll cut it up. Uh, so I'll send it to them and then they'll be like, okay, perfect. This is great. Or something, you know, like that. And then I'll cut, like I'll get rid of the intro and then they'll have like the midsection and then uh, have cut the outro. And then so I'll make the midsection loop and then like perfectly loop, but also make it work with the intro and outro. And we set them all as three different, wave files and um they they kind of put it together so when you enter the area let's say if it's like i don't know i'm just thinking of like a zelda 
thing where like you enter a big field and you know the song plays but the intro still plays so the intro will play and then it'll go into the repetitive loop and then let's say if it nighttime comes or something and then it goes into a different song and then the outro would play and then the other song would come up like it's it's depends on the game it really does because if the game is timed then you can time your music to the game if if every screen is 45 seconds and then it pushes you to the next one or it warps you every 45 seconds then you can very easily write something that's going to fit that but if somebody can be in a room or in an area for however long they want to be then yeah the music has to keep looping so that there's something background because you can't write to you're going to be in this room for two minutes or 10 minutes or 12 minutes or a half an hour you don't know yeah i mean exactly i mean yes exactly i'm i know bear mccreary he's i he's a friend of mine he's uh he does the stuff for god of war he did like Battlestar galactica and a couple things but specifically god of war he told me that it's an entire soundtrack not it doesn't i don't i still can't fathom it the entire thing is one song but it's not like stopped or something. I don't understand exactly what he said. Um, he said it in an interview a couple times too, where um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but the entire thing is like, because God of War doesn't have any cuts or anything like that. So, I mean, it just keeps going, obviously. Right. Yeah. So the soundtrack has to keep, it has to just keep going. Right. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, Bear's a very talented composer, done a lot of great work. Uh, when you get advice from somebody like that, you just have to listen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Was uh, Burning Bridges, was that the one that, that you used uh, kinetic metal on heavily? Yeah. Burning Bridges was all, not all kinetic metal, but right. every song has something of kinetic metal in it. Yeah. I did the same thing with my first Haunted Holidays album because it really felt, I, I really found some good uh, tones that I could use kind of that were Christmassy. And it's a real easy instrument to manipulate and change the sound and come up with something that's really original within the samples that they give you. It's actually one of my favorite programs. I'm really hoping they follow it up with a second one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love the haunted holidays and everything like that. I remember I was listening to it. I I used to listen to it while I was in Texas and I would go uh, pick up my boyfriend from when he was at college still. Mm -hmm. And I used to listen to it in the car and he'd always not make fun of me, but be like, why are you listening to scary like holiday (laughs) in the car? (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much. It's always good to know when something that you create is enjoyed by somebody because we're very isolated as composers. We don't go out and perform concerts our music isn't played at at venues where we can go and see people enjoying it so this is really the only way you find out is when people tell you yeah definitely i agree yeah so uh i i love the the titles for spring i i love that you just focused on something different for each one and had an inspiration for each one and i but i also love the titles for winter because they really they're not uh icicle snowfall frozen lake you know like every winter thing that you can think of they're they're more interesting than that yeah 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 because that's what i would have done and, <laughs> and i would look back on it and go this is so stupid but i can't think of better titles because i'm i would i would visualize those things and then i would like but i've learned a long time ago that it doesn't matter what you see when you write a piece of music uh to anyone but you because it's an individual experience for each person and Absolutely. it yeah. matters what they see. So titles, I, I really, 
I really go back and forth with how to title things because I don't necessarily want to lead people. I want them to just kind of experience it and make their own decision, especially if it's instrumental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For winter, I, uh, again, it was mainly, I just kind of, all the songs actually have, not all of them, a lot of the songs actually have uh, a sound in the background that I don't think are actually in the final tracks. Oh. Um, like Midnight Chatter I made with people talking in the background. Really? Uh, yeah, City Rain has some rain in the background. Over the City it doesn't have anything. But like a Midnight Ravine has like a stream in the background. But I think I took them all out for the final. Yeah, I don't remember any of that being in there. But that's really interesting. So that was kind of your inspiration? Yeah, yeah. Because I had just bought a sound, uh, a big sound library. It's Studio Mark. Mm-hmm. I, I bought theirs. Actually, you sent it to me I did. a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I loved all their nature sounds. Their nature sounds are really good. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to mess with it a little bit. And I did all that. Very cool. Well, I, I really love both albums. And, and I would suggest when you get the chance, just sit down and play them end to end. And uh, and listen to how winter goes into spring. Because I, I, I obviously it wasn't intentional, but I think it flows beautifully. <laughs> no, it was definitely not intentional. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad it works. I, you know, I mean, I... I don't want to say it makes sense because for, because if winter was made for the season instead of me making those songs in that season, um, it might have worked better, I think. But since spring is specifically for that season, um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying, a lot of the songs on winter are very, like, I don't want to say reminds you of smell because it sounds strange but when i use the bell like uh i use a glockenspiel or i'll use uh celesta or something that sounds very bell-like it's just but um i'll use either one of those and whenever i play those it always reminds me of snow i'm not sure why maybe it's because of animal crossing i don't know (laughs) it could be or it could be because they're christmasy yeah, that that makes more sense. Probably that. Yeah, but but I think too the album being called Winter, I think just puts people in that mode of whatever winter is to them. I grew up back east. You live back east, so for us, it's snow and cold, and and you know when the when the ice melts and then when it freezes again. But for people that live, you know, have always lived in California or Nevada, um, we don't see snow very often here. Uh, this was the first year, I think, since 2007, we've had any kind of real snow. And so Christmas or, or winter to people here is going to be something completely different. So, yeah, again, yeah. good thing that you didn't label it all icicle and frozen lake and <laughs> all those kind of things. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So obvious, the obvious follow up question then is, can we expect at some point summer and fall? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I plan to do, um, I'm going to call it autumn instead of fall. Uh, just cause it sounds better. Yeah, it really does. I don't know. Like I always say fall personally, but I just think that autumn looks better written. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have autumn. Maybe I want to try to get it out for this year. I do, but I also don't know because, uh, Hunter and I will be moving to North Carolina coming soon. Oh, cool. And so we probably, towards uh the beginning of next year like in the in the spring of next year so uh, a year from now basically right. but i don't know if 
we'll be moving before that or you know like I don't want to promise anything just yet I might just wait and then do summer Mm. well you have to do them when they when they feel right too I mean there's the the scheduling issue but there's also as artists the I feel like this is the right time for me to write this project yeah I mean I also yeah no definitely I um I might I mean who knows I might write it next you know, like in June, I might start writing summer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and then the other factor, obviously, is contracts, because if you're working on it, you know, the, the game that you're going to work on gets developed faster than they anticipated. Well, now they yeah. need your music. So that becomes the priority over a personal release. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I didn't write anything for like two years, because I was working on Burning Bridges for that long. And um, a couple other things. But, I mean, that Burning Bridges was taking over a lot of my time. Well, specifically, like my not, I don't want to say time, so it really didn't take too much time. Um, it just took a lot of my uh creativity, I guess. Because I mean, I all the songs on the album are very like they're, I don't want to say like the best that I've written, but I mean, they're different than what I use usually write. Um, and that's the type of stuff I'm trying to do is like learn as I'm writing new things, is I also want to train myself to do different things. Sure. Well, and and that's what I love about getting these different projects from different people is because you're you're forced to write stuff you wouldn't normally write uh, or, you know, stuff that you've maybe wanted to write and just haven't found the right outlet or timing for. And then you're like, well, I've got to do it now because this is part of the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, you actually know. So we're recording this on Sunday. The episode won't come out until Wednesday. So this will already be available on Bandcamp. But you are releasing a soundtrack tomorrow. I am. Yeah. Tomorrow is a is a well. Yeah. Burning Bridges is coming out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so you also did some voice acting on this, right? Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) You say that so timidly. I do because the burning. I mean, I love voice acting. I do, and I used to love acting in school. I used to do a lot of the drama club, and I'm a very good actress. I think personally, and I mean, all that. But it's different when you put it to voice acting because voice acting you need to be more energetic, and you have to be you have to sound more than you would typically to make your voice sound natural when it's on the screen. Right. Um, but thankfully, with the Burning Ridges, it was my first thing I've ever done for voice acting that's actually out. And it's, I had to play like a very, what's the word? Like, I just, a, not quiet. I just had to play a very solemn, emotionless being. Because I was, in Burning Bridges, I play like an AI, is what I am. And same with Josh, but Josh, uh, Joshua Bellis, that's my friend who did the other uh, voice. And there's only two voices in that game. And it's just basically two of them bickering to each other later on. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Josh is very emotional and he's very, um, eventually he gets very aggressive and he's uh, like, he's corrupted is what it, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And not corrupted, he's just, he got away from, we call the hive which is where all the other AI are. Uh, so it's it's just a different game. So I had easily, I could easily do that one because I just didn't really need to do a lot of emotions. So I just kind of talked. Right. Blank, yeah. blank, blank, blank. But then I'm actually, for the Norway, the game 
um, with them that I'm working with with the guy from Norway. His name's Ulrich. I don't know. I think, it's, but he um, wants me to do some voice acting for that. And I'm actually going to be voice acting with a voice actor from Dark Souls. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're having um, a friend. Do, I'm not going to say who just yet. I mean, he knows he knows he's got the part, but <laughs> That's um, super cool, though. Yeah, he's he's really, really good. I mean, he's been a couple characters in Dark Souls and he's really nice. He's like a super nice guy. He really is. He, and he's just perfect to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds bad, but he was so excited when I told him about it. But I mean. So I'm going to go up with like an industry veteran, basically. Yeah. And, and it's just, I, I don't know, it's scary. Because <laughs> I'm going to have to work so hard to to be as, like, I don't want to say as good, because I'm not going to be as good when this is like my second game, you know, but. But why not? I mean, if you're, if you're capturing an emotion when you're reading a script and, and, you know, you've got the acting experience behind you, why can't you be as good? It, just because somebody has more experience doesn't necessarily mean that, you can't live up to that level. Oh, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, it's just this. I've played games where I've heard this guy's voice in it, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's just it's a little intimidating, but he's super nice and like super, he's just a really great guy. Yeah, that helps for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as soon as I told him at the part, I emailed him. He emailed me back within like 10 minutes saying that he would absolutely take the role and everything like that. So sweet. You got to love that. Yeah, absolutely. I just love the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm makes makes everything. But yeah, he's a really great guy. He um he's done a lot. I mean, he was in movies. Apparently, I didn't know that before. Oh. But yeah, he was in Saving Private Ryan. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think this was a while ago. I was on his IMDb, mm-hmm. and um I saw that and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I was like, when was this kind of thing? But uh. Anyway, yeah, uh, he's going to be in it. It's Right now, those are me and him are the only two voice actors. I mean, I'm going to definitely get more, but. Mm-hmm. but. That's a good start. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just I really wanted him in it because he's also going to be the narrator of it. OK. Um, and he just has a perfect voice for narration. Mm-hmm. And but for the demo that we're doing, I'm going to be the I'm going to do the narration for it. So uh, it's just going to be, the game is going to be interesting. It's kind of like where there's going to be supernatural force. They're not supernatural, I guess. I don't want to say supernatural because it's not like, whenever I think supernatural, I think of like spooky ghosts kind of thing, but it's not. (laughs) But it's, no, it's just a inhuman force, I should say, like a godly force godly force that's gonna do something to the world and make everything just go terribly for a while well that sounds like fun yeah it does i love too how you know music has has been a part of video games for a long time i mean even going back to the atari 2600 they started doing soundtracks that were very limited but they had some sort of music to them a lot uh but nowadays it's such a predominant part of the game and i love that people are really taking it seriously as developers and not just saying, yeah, we need some music or we need some sounds or whatever. We'll get that done. And just kind of pushing it off to the side of it's not really important. It's actually an important part of the gameplay experience now. It's yeah, it's incredibly important. And that's what bugs me a lot of the time is like, I don't, I don't know why, but 
well, actually, I know I'm a composer, and everyone who's a composer also can understand where there's always indie developers that ask these questions, and they ask questions on how to get free music online that sounds good for their game. And it just makes me so mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, like, I know that, like, money is always an issue, but I know so many people that are great musicians and it shouldn't be selling themselves for nothing, basically. Yeah. And that would, that would easily be like, oh, I would love to get my name onto a game. Let me give you my music, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's insulting to say that to a musician. Where can I get something like you do, but for free from someone else? I mean, that's just about, I, I want to often respond with, can you tell me where I can get a game like the one you're developing, but it doesn't cost me anything? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, I don't want to say this, but I know mobile games, for example, a lot of mobile games have like really good soundtracks, like uh, Infinity Blade, for example. Um, they're like I used to play that when a while ago, but it's like not the most. It's very different to be a mobile game because it's not like your typical Candy Crush or some type of little puzzle thing like that. It's an actual like game where you're a, you you have a sword and you're going through like trying to avenge your father it's ridiculous it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a really cool game but i mean that that game has a really really good soundtrack really well done sound but at the same time you think about it it's like oh wow i'm this game's really good with the music and everything but i never play it with the music on you know oh that's like the issue with the, well that's the issue with mobile games is because i always have my phone on silent Right. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't want to have it on, and I don't really play mobile games anymore anyway. But I mean, that's the issue. I just feel like a lot of mobile games, that especially the developers, like they know that everyone's just going to have their sounds off anyway. But you know, I, I'd like to have the option. Well, that's a really good point because, especially if you're if you're doing it right and you're hiring a composer to do a soundtrack for your game, and you know that ninety. 90 or 95 percent of the people have their phone on silent what are you paying for you know you're not paying for something that's really going to enhance the game except to the five or ten percent of the people that are actually going to listen to it however many times before they put their phone on mute so you're right i'd never considered that before but that really is something to think about i mean yeah exactly but then there's some people who are trying to make like games that look like AAA games with stock sounds and it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing I hate more than watching a film or, or seeing, you know, a documentary or something. And I hear some loop that I've heard before. And it's just oh, so I... obvious that that's all they've used is something that they downloaded from a stock sound site or a stock music site. Um, what gets me is that as a developer of, of something creative, obviously you appreciate the creative arts and I understand budgets, but at the same point, how, how can you want to release something that you've dialed part of it in Yeah, and everything else you've worked so hard on, you've perfected the graphics, you've perfected the motion, you've worked out all the bugs, you've created the story, and then you just throw some music in there. And that's a hard thing. It, 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 like you said, as a composer, that's a hard thing for me to understand. Yeah, I mean, because for us, that's like our, for me, specifically, like, I just started playing Sekiro, The Shadows Dice Twice, that game, and um, from the creators of From, or from the creatives of Dark Souls, of course, FromSoft, and um, that soundtrack is amazing, and I don't even know, I, I um, my boyfriend will play, like, he'll 
he's been playing Red Dead 2, um, which he plays on the TV, and then I'll play uh, Shadows Die Twice on the computer. And there was one time where I didn't have any sound, and I was trying to play it, but I couldn't play it. Like, I physically could not play it. I was like, there's no music, there's no sound. Yeah. What is the point? It's an empty experience, yeah. It it really was. Because, you know, you can't hear if someone's near you or anything like that. And you can't, like, the voice acting. Like, I have it in Japanese still. I didn't change it from Japanese to English. Wow. But, I mean, still the music, the voice acting is still, like, super important. Sure, yeah. There was a there was a game that came out originally on Atari back in the eighties, and I don't I think it was released for a couple other platforms, but it was called Mountain King. And the whole point of it is you're going through I mean graphically it's very basic because it was Atari, but uh you're going through this cavernous system and you're trying to find this this little dancing hat so that you can take it into the skull and get the crown that you have to take to the top of the mountain. And it sounds like such an Atari game. It is. <laughs> and and every part of it had to do with the sound the sound would get louder the closer you were getting to each of those things and Mm -hmm. so to find the little dancing hat you're trying to you know find it visually but really what you need is the audio to tell you where in this giant cavernous system to go to find it and so the audio gets louder the closer that you are you know i have always appreciated the games like that Mm -hmm. i really have i love games like that i mean there's a new game newer i shouldn't say new i don't know how it might be like a couple years old actually but i don't remember the name of it either but it was about there this girl is stuck in this house i think it's a horror game i've never played it but i need to play it i would love to play that game but she's um blind i think and so the whole screen is black but if you press a button um she steps and then she can like see with the hearing so like everything white and um like there's a monster or something coming after her so she can see the monster's footsteps and each like footstep has like a circle that goes and like reverberates into the entire area so she can see where she is oh that's brilliant it what it was it was so interesting and you could tell that whoever created that had to have been a sound designer because right (laughs) yeah because it's just so in-depth and it's just a perfect idea because you never you're kind of like in the eyes of someone who's blind and that's what they all they can see with is their ear or hearing, you know? Right. Well, you know, and even even games like Doom, where it's, you know, first person shooter, uh, if you're not listening, especially with headphones or speakers up very loud, you don't know a lot of times which way to turn or if there's somebody behind you. But if you're listening to the sound design of it, it's panned properly to where the monster is. So you know where something is behind you. Uh, you can tell by how loud it is, how far away they are. And that's really an important part of gameplay. And sound design is one of those things that I think is really underplayed. Uh, You know, we talk about music and we talk about the graphics, but sound design is an equally important component of that too. And I think a lot of people just just take that as a matter of it's there and don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I mean, sound design is such a... I I honestly, since I've been doing both recently and I started... Uh, doing sound design for a lot of the projects I've been working on. Um, I can easily say that sound design is a whole lot harder. I don't know if if it's because I'm just used to doing music and I know how to compose and I know how to, you know, structure and everything like that. But with sound design, like it can get so tedious to the point where um, if like I do uh, fully all the time. So I have my own uh, microphone that I take outside and everything like that. And I will record something and then I'll edit it and say, okay, good. That's good for a movie. Now I need to make it into a game sound, <laughs> you know? Right. So 
in the game sounds need to be like so much more dramatic and just bigger all all around to make them sound like a um just what they're supposed to be like for Ulrich's game um i have to make a uh, sound for like a cutting human not, not cutting human flesh but like a sword hitting hitting somebody basically but so i made one with like someone wearing leather someone wearing um not leather, I'm sorry, just cloth. Someone wearing cloth, someone wearing armor, someone wearing nothing, just stuff like that. And it's just, it's to the point where now, where I have folders upon folders with subfolders of subfolders, like, yeah. I'm just saying, like, with armor, with not armor, like, mm-hmm. with short sword and long sword, like, it's ridiculous. It gets to the point where there's just so much stuff. And I have, because I'm really, I need organization, because I, I just, I cannot work without being having everything organized yeah i'm the same way i mean yeah so like with the sound design thing i have literal like 17 folders within each other of just a whole like i think there's like 300 sounds right now that i've done for this game and i mean i'm not even close to being done right you know like i'm still it's just there's so many sounds well and that's that's i think the issues with sound design are really twofold the for one it's the vast number of sounds that you need for even a a marginally small game uh, the amount of of things that you see visually that need an accent are pretty, it's a pretty long list. And then yeah. the other thing is I feel like sound design is really kind of unforgiving. Whereas with music, you can take things and, and as long as you're keeping with the right emotion, there's a lot of stuff. You have a lot of play of what you can do to still be on track. But with sound design, the sound of a bullet hitting glass and the glass exploding is the sound of a bullet hitting glass and glass exploding. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can probably mimic it, like throwing a rock at a piece of glass, but something needs to break, you know? Right. Like it was it. Well, that's what I found out is like a lot of the sounds that I did um, the other day. Actually, uh, I was like hitting a sword. I have swords here just because their swords are cool and they're useful for a sound design. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I was having Hunter hit a sword against a big giant metal plate conveniently my dad had because he's a construction worker. So, I mean, I'm lucky because he has all this random stuff laying around that I can beat up. Right. So, um, I ha- I was just, he was just hitting the plate really hard and I put it on my computer and I was like editing it and I was like, oh, wait, this would be perfect for like something as complex as a door slamming and just like all the editing you can do with it, make it sound completely different that's why it makes it so funny when you know um someone said something about like how oh the sound of flesh or something like that is like a spaghetti in a bowl and you like mix it up and squish Mm -hmm. it and everything right it's just so it's it's funny when you think about that stuff because that's accurate (laughs) it really is and i mean it's not like you can get bodies where you can really play with them and and create the accurate (laughs) sounds so you've got to find what would be similar and wet pasta Wet pasta is very common for that. Lettuce, uh, or, uh, snapping lettuce apart is very common for like bones breaking. Also snapping dry mm-hmm. pasta. If you use the long, thin uh, spaghetti noodles, uh, snapping mm-hmm. a handful of those is is very common for that. Uh, also trees like branches. But there's more to it than just that. So let's let's take the slamming the door. You can slam a door and you can record it. But what if visually the handle jiggles a little bit? Well, now you have to oh, add yeah. that sound in or the it's, lock yep. uh, moves a little bit. You've, there's so much more than just slamming the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. 
it's what kind of door did you slam? Because if in the movie it's a heavy oak door and you recorded a door that was like a thin press board, then obviously that sound isn't going to match the door. So there's so much that's unforgiving about sound design. It's a really fascinating but very intricate field. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You recently purchased a new uh, field recorder. What did you end up getting? I don't remember. Oh, uh, I got the Zoom H5, I think it was, because it was on sale, too. Mm-hmm. And it had the best reviews out of everything. Um, everyone just said that they still use it, even though like there's the sticks out or something like that. Sure. And I mean, I was incredibly impressed. And I'm sure like any of them that I had got that I would have gotten would would have been great. Sure. But I mean, this specific one, I was really impressed when I because you can go outside, put the headphones on, you can, you know, there's the input and everything, the input gain, I think it is. Um, and it was just really really clear and i mean i live in the middle of the woods so it's really convenient you know there's no one around talking there's no but there's a lot of atmosphere where there's like sometimes there's some wind i live in new england so there's always wind yeah but uh there's a little bit of wind there's you can hear like the birds you can hear squirrels you can hear planes you can hear and it's like i can't even imagine if people were having to do this on like a busy street or something like that right like i i don't understand how they could edit all that out mm-hmm like, I'm having trouble editing out all the bird sounds. <laughs> well, and a lot of that, too, people do in isolated studios that have the room for it and the, you know, the the ability to move things in and out fairly quickly. Um, you know, I have a friend that samples car engines. Uh, they do all that in an isolated garage. So when you have to go out and do it in the world, yeah, you do really have to either do a lot of work to cut out the other frequencies or just keep recording it until you get a take that's clean. Yeah, exactly. But are you getting, uh, I would imagine that you, you got used to that re- the new device fairly quickly. And are you, are you comfortable with it now? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I, there's really not that many buttons on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But, but when you're doing uh, any kind of field recording, obviously your input gain is really everything because if you have that gain too high, then even the smallest noise will start peaking the, the meters. It's going to come out distorted. Um, you really need to work that quite a bit depending on what you're recording you know, it jumps up like the most smallest amount um, from when you're recording it. It still sounds crystal clear when you're in here. So I can just, if it's way too quiet, I can just like boost it all the way up, you know, and then put like a noise gate on it or something like that. Right. Yeah. You can always boost what you have, but, but to try and if it records too hot, you're stuck with whatever you have. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I, I always record in like the lowest setting I can so that so that I can I can always adjust it afterwards. Whereas, like, if it's too loud, then you can never really fix that. <laughs> That's true. Do you find though that when you record on that setting, that when you boost it up, um, because you have to boost it up so much that you're getting a lot of noise with it as well? Um, yeah, sometimes. Uh, like, I had to record for the Norway game. I had re- we don't have a name for it. That's why we say the Norway game. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, <laughs> but I I had to record footsteps so. I recorded conveniently. It was snowing, so I was able to go outside and just stomp in the snow a couple times, and that was nice and loud. But afterwards, I had to record the other day mud, like muddy footsteps. Oh, and it wasn't loud, and it was actually really quiet to the point where I needed to boost it up really loud in the um, in the post and everything like that. So I'm sitting there like boosting and boosting and boosting, and then in the background, I can hear myself breathing. 
like and i'm oh. a quiet breather mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy how sensitive the microphone really is right. but i mean i was able to just do a noise gate on it and kind of just get rid of the breathing altogether but i mean mm-hmm. it, it was just crazy i didn't expect the mud footsteps to be as quiet as they were right i mean i the snow to be loud and then the grass grassy footsteps to be like you know crunching and everything like that so it makes sense but then like the muddy ones you know you walk in mud you can hear it and it just it was crazy yeah it's that's sort of a squelchy kind of sound that uh especially if it's really wet um Mm -hmm. i wonder in a case like that i i would have to play with it but i i wonder if it's almost worth having a, a shotgun mic that you can put on a boom arm to kind of just capture like really close to where your arms can't reach. Cause if you're walking, you can't have your arms down at your feet. Oh, I did. I was like slouched over. Really? <laughs> I was slouched over just walking like a gremlin basically. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. And that's probably why, I mean, I, I could have bought a shotgun mic, but I didn't really, ha- I didn't want to spend all that money. Cause sure. this was already around like 300. And then the microphone, I think separately was around the same. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so you're not using the mic that's on it. You're you're using a separate external mic. No, no, no. no. I'm using the microphone that's on it. But I'm saying like the shotgun mic separately. Oh, was, right. As the entire thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Eventually, I'll probably get it. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and as the gigs that you get get bigger and bigger, and they pay better, and then you get, you know, you're able to enhance the equipment. It's just like that normal cycle of business where okay, I'm getting this gig now and this will allow me to do that. And then that leads to a gig where this will allow me to do that. And then it just kind of escalates, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But before we go, I wanted to ask you, you, I mean, going from, you know, your, your spring album into this kind of a game uh, coming off of a game, uh, how do you adjust the, how do you adjust yourself to change, to change so dramatically from one project to another? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I guess because I've always been uh, very imaginative, I want to say, when I was younger. I mean, I was always like the games I played and everything like that. I was just very creative when it came to um, storytelling, even. I'm just really good to immediately be able to come up with a story in the top of my head and have it be really intricate like and everything like that. So, I mean, I have a good understanding on what is me and what is me doing something for a game kind of thing. Right. Uh, my music is spring and winter and the stuff on my YouTube and everything like that. But then there's always a, a side of me that is very heavily, um, not, I don't want to say dark, but like it is kind of dark and orchestral and heavy and epic. And that's the stuff that kind of comes out when I need to um, do a lot of my music for video games, for the Norway game, for Burning Bridges. It was more atmospheric, but then it turns into a heavier or epic type stuff that happens. And I mean, my favorite thing, actually, to go back to the Burning Bridges thing, since that's coming out tomorrow, the soundtrack. um, (laughs) I actually, in that soundtrack, when it actually becomes melodic, I do a lot of key changes in it. And I mean, I have a lot of, um, it's polyrhythm. I mean, it's all over the place and I loved doing that. That was, it's, that's why I, I say that's my, like one of my favorite soundtracks that I've done so far, I should say, cause I have more coming up, but, um, 
it is it's it's interesting because it was the first one I've ever done that's polyrhythm has like a, there's no real key to it. Oh, I like those. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely I'll have to send you it because it's definitely a, a different sound from what I'm used to for myself. Right. And that's that's something I, I and especially being a drummer, um, I'm sure I'll I'll appreciate the polyrhythmic side of it as well. But I love when when things don't have to fall into that sort of uh, music theory structure where it's not like we have to stay in this key or if you end on this note, you have to start on that note sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. th- music needs to be whatever the music needs to be. Absolutely. I hate when people do that. Yeah. When they, when I do that, I don't like when people um, say, oh, well, you need to do this and it has to resolve and you need to go here. Like, no, I'm going to be in nine, eight and four, four at the same time. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to resolve themselves when they meet up and they will meet up at some point. And, yeah. uh, and I love stuff like that, but it's, it's really just a matter of music needs to me to be free flowing. And especially when you're writing a soundtrack, uh, it, it needs to go wherever it needs to go to enhance what you're writing for. And I love mm-hmm. that you did that. I'm really looking forward to checking that out. Uh, obviously now, uh, it's, it's Wednesday when the show comes out and the soundtrack has been out. Uh, so I'm, uh, as a Sunday for us, I'm looking forward to checking it out tomorrow and uh, I'll let everyone know what I think in the opening, which they will have already heard. This is weird. It's like time travel to me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it is. It is. It's, yeah, it's but I, I'm really excited about this new project, and I wish you guys the best of success. Um, it is it is a bit of a challenge working with someone who is in, in a completely different time zone on the other side of the world. I, the one video game I did, uh, the person I was working with, uh, the game creator, was in Taiwan. And so we had the time uh, barrier, we had the language barrier, and I didn't know much about the Star Trek world, and it was a Star Trek game. So uh, we had that challenge as well. And I had also never written music that was designed to be looped, so that was another challenge on top of it. But at the end, I I was really happy. And I'm telling this story because you said earlier, you know, talking about you already have a composer for the game, and you don't want to bother people if you only knew. Um... I saw this this guy uh, was talking about his game on a video game forum that I just happened to to come across in a search. And uh, I wrote to him and he said, well, I, I've got somebody that I'm probably going to use. But if you want to send me, you know, some music to listen to, I, I'll I'm open to check it out. So I thought, well, OK, you know, I, I don't want to intrude on someone's gig, but if he's open to it, then why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Um, and I sent him over some music and he he wrote me back. Uh, a couple hours later, and now I don't know what the time change is in Taiwan, but it's quite dramatic from from Phoenix, where I was at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, and he says, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with you. I sent your music to the other composer, and he quit. Oh, and wow. I thought, That's kind of sad. Well, Aww. yeah. I mean, I, I felt really bad at first. And then he says uh, he attached the guy's music, and wow. it was created uh, like with a toy keyboard. You know, it just, whether it was better composition wise, I don't know, but the sound quality was vastly different. And I think I, you know, after you've heard somebody use real orchestra samples versus somebody using a a toy keyboard, yeah, you're kind of going to go, well, I'll find a way to make this work with this other guy. uh, Because Mm -hmm. I, now that I've heard that and I know I can have that in my game, that's what I want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the same thing goes from when, like, uh, I don't know, maybe almost three years now, that Alex Rowe and I did the Yorm remix, or reorchestration, I should say. Um, I didn't really have anything. I didn't have any sound samples or anything like that. But 
he um he does the same thing i do now at least uh he would actually listen to it and listen to the not the quality but what what is actually there like the mel- the melodic part of it the rhythm everything and he'll he listened to that and he's like wow i really love your work he's like you may not have the best samples he's like but you still have really good quality right it's just not like you know professional quality is because at the time i didn't have the money to buy you know the eight thousand dollars worth of equipment sure yeah um so i mean that's when i did all the uh i did the yorm remix with him and he just i would send him the midi and he would just put it into his uh song and just have and like my midi was already edited and everything like done properly and all that right but like the velocity since i have my own piano i record from the piano and then put it in and like it was just and he was just really he was happy with it he loved the way it sounded he's like it sounds like someone's actually playing it i was like well someone actually is playing it (laughs) right yeah it's not programmed this is real buddy yeah exactly yeah no that's that's cool And, and the nice thing about having that experience is that obviously your compositional skills were on par it's it's easy to find a way to save up money to buy uh, better sounds and make your overall, you know, your mix better with tools and your, and your sounds better with better sample libraries. But the the important part is what you have, which is the compositional part. You, if you were not a good composer, but you had really good sounds, you would be a lot less likely to get those gigs. I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, I, I right now, uh, my friends, a couple of friends and I are making in the process of actually making a uh, company because he's a game developer and um, he just finished school for it. Uh, so he, we're in the process of making our own game. We have the whole like game document done. We're just actually going to start creating it soon. Um, I did most of the story and script and all the music and sound type thing. But um one thing I found is that like there are some people that would um, that when we talked about the game a little bit, uh, they would contact me like composers like I used to. Right. Like I used to contact people and be like, hey, do you need a musician? And since I was wasn't just the musician on it, I was like, I'm the, the uh, founder of the studio. Carter is my friend's name. He's the other founder, co-founder. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we're we I would get this message from some person who I remember me doing that, you know, and not having like the best samples or anything like that. And I listened to it and it was really good. So I was like, you know what? Like I will contact you in a little bit in like a couple months. I think this was like two months ago. I told him that I would contact him in a couple months because I will need, I don't want to do the entire soundtrack on my own, you know? Okay. I mean, I, I would, I would like to, but I also, you know, I don't need to, you know? Yeah. You know, well, it's not always convenient for you to do the whole thing because now you're taking on the responsibility of the ownership of the company, which means you're going to have to do, you know, deal with the financials or however you guys choose to break that up. Um, and that may limit your time for being able to to score to the level that you expect out of yourself. Exactly. I mean, and at the same time, I don't need to do the entire soundtrack because then even in the AAA games, they have like three, four people working on it. Right. So I would love to give an opportunity to someone else. Let's say if the game does you know, go amazingly and it's a huge hit hit success. And now this person where I was like six years ago now doesn't have to go through the six years of pain and effort. (laughs) So I would love to help someone that was in the same position as I was at that time. 
Yeah. And I, and I love when people do that, when they don't forget what happened to them or how they got as far as they have, and, and they can appreciate somebody who's not where they are yet and seeing, remembering their, their past and going, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to help save them some of what I went through. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I understand like, oh, well I did it. So they have to do it. Like, I know that mindset and everything, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, there's no point if I'm able to give them this opportunity and they're working for it, you know, it's not, it's, there's no different. They just don't have the money to get the exact samples that I have. Yeah. I don't get that mentality at all. It's not like, you know, it's not like to get your degree, you have to take certain classes, right? Life is not college. It's not like, well, I went through this. So before you can get to where I am, you need to go through that. I don't think that we all have to go through the same trials. I think if we're all supporting each other and teaching each other from what we've learned, people shouldn't have to go through all the hardship. It's one thing if you need to go through something to learn to build, that's fine. But just because I went through something doesn't mean you have to. Yeah, exactly. And that just doesn't make any sense. You know, and that's why I wrote my book, uh, Becoming an Indie Film Composer, because I didn't want people to have to struggle or have no clue where to start. At least give them, here's a map and it's up to you which roads you take, but at least you know there's roads. Yeah, exactly. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute joy. I really, you know, before I go, I want to say that one of the things that I love the most, and I kind of touched on this in the beginning, um, especially about winter and spring, is just there's such a beautiful gentleness to your playing that really brings out the music in a way that I don't hear a lot of people doing. Because again, a lot of people are using sample libraries in, in ways that they're they're not really playing it live, they're programming it or doing it in a way that just doesn't have that real emotion to me. And uh, you you actually are related uh, in a way to my first guest on the show, James Sizemore. Um, he had just come out with his album and it's very heavily piano oriented and, and string quartet. Um, but I'm sick to death of piano. I just, I've heard it so much and there's so many other sounds, but both of you have really made me fall back in love with the sound of a piano. And a lot of it is just because of the writing, but the way that you perform it, it makes me enjoy it again. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Cause I was just done. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I'm glad I can get you back into the whole piano scene yeah but i do understand that where you're coming from because it does get it can get repetitive over over a couple like you know over over a long time it can get kind of you know the same thing over and over with piano but it's nice to have a refresher right and, and it used to be the instrument that i wrote everything on piano and then i would say okay but do i really want this song to be on piano do i want it to be a guitar or a mellotron or you know something else that's not a piano but that was always my instrument that i would start writing with and so i think mm-hmm. i i partially partially burned myself out on it as well um but there's just so much piano music out there and i love that we're still creating new things with piano but you know i know it's crazy to think how long it's been that piano has been out or piano has been out. It's like, I'm talking like it's a movie, but I mean, (laughs) the instrument's been around and it's just, everything is different. Like every song you hear is not the same unless someone says, Oh, well I took inspiration from this, you know? Right. And it's just, it's really nice to see that, that even on like any instrument, really, it doesn't have to just be piano. Every single instrument, like it, everything is different. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so 
that's what makes music just so perfect, I think. Right. But it's not like guitar where, yeah, there's a ton of music written for guitar, but every song is different because of the tones, because of the effects they use. Um, yeah, even just true. distorted guitar alone, there's so many different levels and types and feels of distortion that, that even something that's a similar melody can sound unique. Whereas piano, it's piano and that's mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So thank you for that. And, and, uh, obviously everybody, I'm going to highly suggest that you check out both winter and spring. Um, obviously we're in spring right now, so it's the best time to listen to it. Uh, and then obviously the the new soundtrack that's coming out or that's already out when you're hearing this podcast. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show. It, it is always just a pure joy to talk to you. I'm really excited about your projects and I just can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much, Scott. It was really nice to have you on or have me on here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It was really nice to have you. I can't even speak right now. Okay. I think I know um, what you mean though. No, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. You bet. Take care and come visit us again. Thank you. I will. Excellent. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. What a, just a sweet person and, and such a great talent. And I'm uh, excited to hear the new things and I'm excited to, uh, you know, share this uh, music of hers with you. It's, it's fabulous. It's exactly what it's designed to do. Uh, it takes you on a beautiful journey through the seasons and uh, looking forward to hearing the next two seasons as they come out as well. Thank you guys for joining me once again for another week on the Haskin Cast podcast. Remember to like, uh, rate, share, tell people about it. If you enjoy it, probably someone else will too. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. I uh, hope that you guys will join us for that one as well. Have a great week, everybody. Everybody.